Welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute. Jurassic Park Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1993 film Jurassic Park Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we're here to bring you Minute Number 6. Brady, how are you doing this morning? Doing great. How about you? I'm doing fine as cherry wine as well. Are you ready to get into Minute Number 6 of Jurassic Park? I am. i got some cool stuff on this one. Let's do it. In the previous minute, we found ourselves in the amber mines of the Dominican Republic where a massive excavation for fossilized mosquitoes was underway. At the end of the minute, we were told about a team of experts who were being approached to visit the park to give it their public endorsement. At minute number six, we find ourselves in the bad land of Montana with diggers excavating a skeleton of a velociraptor. At six minutes, 18 seconds, a dig site volunteer announces that they are ready to try again. At six minutes, 20 seconds, the lead character, Alan Grant, rises into frame and says, I hate computers. At 6 minutes 24 seconds, Ellie Statler ties a bandana around Grant's neck and tells him that the feeling is mutual. At 6 minutes 30 seconds, we see a shotgun shell being loaded into a crudely made machine for the purpose of which we do not yet know. At 6 minutes 35 seconds, a lever on the machine is pulled, firing a blast into the ground, causing a cloud of smoke. At 6 minutes 47 seconds, Grant and his team surround a rustic-looking computer setup. The technician explains how the process works. At 6 minutes 50 seconds, the computer monitor begins to show a sonar image of a buried skeleton. At 6 minutes 55 seconds, Grant watches unimpressed with this new technology. And thus ends minute number 6 of Jurassic Park. So this scene was actually not shot in the Badlands of Wyoming. Uh, it was actually a section of Red Rock Canyon near Ridgecrest in California's Mojave Desert. Uh, so it's accessible only by four-wheel drive vehicles. So they, yeah, they had to get a bunch of four-wheel drive trucks to get us up there. You can find some spectacular landscapes there, uh, but there are no dinosaur fossils to be found. It was shot in California because it was cheaper to shoot there, and it was easier access. Steven Spielberg had a philosophy going into Jurassic Park, as we talked about, that they would only shoot you know five times for each scene. Mm-hmm. They wanted to make this an easy easy shoot that was easy on everybody and uh when they were trying to figure out well how are we going to get to wyoming or how are we going to get to the badlands uh how are we going to get to snake river which i think is around that area too uh somebody in the production facility said you know you can just go like a half hour or a couple hours away yeah. to, the, to the mojave desert yeah so uh but it looks great it looks exa- i mean you i wouldn't know unless someone told me i didn't know until i yeah, read I that know, somewhere yeah. yeah so uh but so the skeleton shown here has more in common with uh a dinosaur which name you we're, we're gonna hear and you know we really need to get into this right now we need to go ahead and talk about this because this movie the one of the main dinosaurs in it is the velociraptor right that's right yeah it's not really the velociraptor here it's the deinonychus which is what you're seeing here it has more in common with the deinonychus or the utah raptor than it does the actual velociraptor velociraptors were only about uh, they'd come up to maybe about a full-grown adult's kneecap deinonychus was about five foot standing and was able to look you in the eye so the, the dinosaur you see here in the movie is a deinonychus However, we will be referring to it as the Velociraptor. So understand, we know what we're talking about. It's the Deinonychus. We'll keep calling it the Velociraptor. And, you know, I, uh, I applaud the filmmakers for, for going in that direction because, one, Velociraptor just rolls off the tongue so well. Yeah. You know, and, of course, the term raptor means bird of prey, which just fits in with Grant's uh, whole, you know, philosophy about how, you know, dinosaurs evolved into birds, etc. Yeah. But uh, having your... The, the dinosaur be as tall as you, and he can be in the same room as you, and right. he can. It's just so makes it so I'm much sorry. more creepy. She, she, excuse me. She, these excuse are me. lady dinosaurs here. 
Uh, all dinosaurs from here on out will be referred to as she because they are all lady dinosaurs. Okay. And they are vicious uh, raptors. So, but that's actually something that Michael Crichton knew about going into this. He studied with uh, different scientists and he was looking at you know, different bipedal animals that, you know, could hunt in a way that he wanted for the book. And he was told that Deinonychus could, would be the dinosaur he was looking for. But after searching everything, he said, oh, this word velociraptor, that's so scary. And he went back to the scientists and said, hey, thanks for giving me this information. I'm going to use this dinosaur. I'm going to call it Velociraptor because it rules off the tongue. It's a very threatening term, Velociraptor. I like it a lot. Alan Grant uh, is based on Jack Horner, who's a real-life paleontologist that helped the movie crew in making the dinosaurs based on facts and discoveries in the real world. In the film, Alan Grant is a grump. In the, bit, in the book, he's a little bit more warmer to the kids. Yeah. So the Alan Grant in the book is a little bit more open to talking to people. He's a funnier guy. The one here in the movie, is, he's a grump because, well, he has to have a character arc, right? Mm-hmm. So he has to start off as kind of this jerk, and then eventually by the end of the movie, you know, he's he's a resourceful guy. Uh, he he's He's got these kids that he's stuck with, and we know right off the bat in this movie, he hates children you know so what's more interesting than to stick the guy who hates kids with a couple of kids out in the wilderness and have to have them survive together so yeah. he's a little bit different ellie sattler's also a little bit different in the book ellie sattler was a grad student of alan grant and was not romantically involved with them in the book the lost world it was mentioned however that she and grant were involved but what involved meant they don't really get into uh i think she's 23 in the book sattler was changed in the film to be romantically involved with dr grant her personality remained unchanged however uh, she's tough she's adventurous and at times the only character character with the bravery bravery and tenacity to tackle problems head on. So, you know, several points in this movie, uh, I think that uh, um, uh, Hammond says, you know, I wish, uh, would, would you be so kind to take a uh, gas Jeep out and go find my, my kids? Uh, Ellie Sattler's the first one, but you know, no, no, no reserve at all. She's like, yeah, I'm going, yeah, multiple, I, I gotta go too. Times. Yeah. She's the one who goes out into the shed to, to, to shut off the main power grid and fix everything. So she's definitely like a, she's funny, she's adventurous, and she is definitely not a person who is scared of anything. She shows no fear. She sticks her whole arm right in that dinosaur poop. Yeah, know? that's right. She yeah. might be the bravest person in the She's tenacious, and we have no idea how tenacious she actually is. So, but, um, so they have a seismic device that they shoot into the ground in this scene. And I have a little bit of firsthand knowledge about this, and that thing doesn't exist. <laughs> it wouldn't exist because the seismic stuff that they use now is really used to, to see like shale plays and underground oil formations and things like that. So it's good at getting pictures of big areas of land, using seismic echoes to get an idea of what rocks and things look like that underneath your feet. But the technology is not so much that it could find skeletons in the ground. However, in the movie, it's a very cool device. Uh, we don't have anything like this now. We certainly didn't have anything like this in 1993, but it works well in the context of the movie. It's totally believable in the context of the movie, you know? And, and the way the device looks is pretty great, too. It's it's sitting on top of a tire. It bounces. Two guys have to hold it down when it fires off. I've been around these things when they actually fire off. And what they do is they drill a hole in the ground, and they drop a seismic charge down that hole. It goes down a while. Then they set it off, and it's uh, it's significant. You can feel it and hear it all around. It's like, boom, like that. Uh, so... Uh, but yeah, so that does not exist, but it's a really cool idea for the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, something that I love so much about movies is when, um, whenever you find out that another actor was supposed to play a certain character and whether, yeah. whether or not it would have worked or didn't Tom Selleck work. Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones. There yeah. you go. Um, and whether or not that would have worked, uh, doesn't always matter. It's, it's just interesting to see that there were other options. Um, Steven Spielberg's first choice for Alan Grant was Harrison Ford. Mm. Uh, Harrison Ford turned it down, though, said the part just wasn't really right for me. And um, I think I, I think he's right. Jurassic Park is one of those movies where 
the star, you don't need like a face on your poster. It doesn't need to be Harrison Ford in Jurassic Park. Right. What needs to be on the poster is the dinosaurs um, or just the the adventure overall and not the actors. Uh, I've always thought that about James Bond. The actor playing James Bond should never be bigger than the character. Yeah. Uh, and let's see. So yeah, Harrison Ford turned it down. Uh, they also offered it to or considered uh, Kurt Russell, who I think would have worked. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, Richard Dreyfus, And they offered it to William Hurt, who turned it down without reading the book or the script. Um, really? Yeah, no. And Sam Neill is perfect. He's great. You know, he's... Uh, Sam Neill's one of those people who just has, like, a look that says so much. And he, he plays annoyed really, really well. And uh, his arc in this movie is, um, it's great. It's great. You know, it uh, fits within the movie perfectly in the fact that he's trying to avoid the, uh, you know, um, possibility of having kids and then coming around to it at the end. Uh, it, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen Jurassic Park 3, but he and Ellie have apparently divorced or split or whatever and there were no kids. So uh, I was, which is more interesting to me than them actually getting together Mm -hmm. and having kids. Yeah, Yeah. for him. Yeah, I can see that. But I was showing this, uh, showing this to a friend of mine, and whenever the film started, and it showed that he and Ellie were since broken up, and she's not remarried and everything like that. She was like, "Uh, uh, nope, turn it off. Not gonna have it. Uh, uh, it's not happening. Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist." So I don't know. It's funny how people get attached to stuff like that. But um, so we talked a couple episodes ago about how James Cameron was very, very, very. keen on doing Jurassic Park. Right. And really tried to get his hands on the script. Um, His premise was really strange. It was basically just going to be aliens, but put dinosaurs in place of the aliens. And his casting was just going to be off the wall too. But who knows? Might have worked in a a parallel universe. I think that the James Cameron who made The Abyss probably could have made Jurassic Park. Um, I think that there are some similarities there to a degree. And... uh, I, I don't know. I can just see that as having worked. And I'm not a big fan of The Abyss. And I don't really like James Cameron's uh, writing. But um, I don't know. What, what are it, your thoughts on well, that? Well, I mean, it, it would have been interesting. I mean, if anybody besides Steven Spielberg could have tackled this, proper, this property properly, it would have been James Cameron. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jim Cameron makes an entertaining movie. Yeah. There's not really a movie of his that I don't like. Uh, it's, I think, pretty much his entire canon of work is uh, is great stuff you know even something like titanic that was really at the time i was like oh this is girl stuff but i mean it's a competently made film it's entertaining when it comes on tv i, I watch the whole thing you know so jim cameron probably could have done some really good stuff with this but i think that the magic of spielberg and yeah. i hate to use a cliched term like that was really something that the the adventure and sense of discovery is something that made this movie last mm-hmm. jim cameron could probably could have pulled in a, a fantastic movie it'd be a lot of fun high action but i think the thing that makes this movie last is that little Spielberg and I'm you see him I'm doing my fingers like this like I'm sprinkling like you know uh, pixie dust or something on it you know like the Spielberg stuff like the amber that's in the middle of the screen the mystery push on at the beginning with you know something moving through the trees and Muldoon standing there with his gun that Steven Spielberg is the guy who I think had the right touch for this movie yeah and so. there's really nobody else who can bring that to a movie so yeah. and, and it's uh, ironic that we're talking about this James Cameron himself did say Steven Spielberg was the only person to adapt this book yeah, and to a film, he said there was no one else who could have or should have done it. Yeah, so. and you've seen some other directors tackling some uh, Michael Crichton properties like Sphere in Congo, for example, mm-hmm. which I uh, books that I loved. I loved those books. The and movies, the movies just didn't. They, a little bit. Yeah, 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 they did. They were not what Jurassic Park was. Yeah, so. and uh, that's that's a shame. But hey, you know what? Remakes. There's no reason that somebody else can't go and adapt Congo into a movie. 
Yeah, no, I'd love to see somebody take another stab at Sphere. That'd be awesome. It'd be yeah. great. I'd love it. I'd love it. So we also have some uh, kind of alternate casting choices for Ellie as yeah. well. So Laura Dern uh, got the part. You know, she was only 25 when That's she amazing. This. I, I know, really dude. can't believe that. Yeah, yeah, she's she's great in it. Uh, but there were a few other options. Robin Wright Penn was one. Helen Hunt, Sandra Bullock, uh, Juliet Binoche, surprisingly. Uh, and Gwyneth Paltrow. And you can actually find Gwyneth Paltrow and Helen Hunt's auditions on really? YouTube. And Helen Hunt was great. Yeah. No, Helen awesome. Hunt's a fantastic actress. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, uh, Laura Dern's fantastic. Any one of those choices would have been great. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with Laura Dern. It would have been awesome with Sandra Bullock. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised Sandra Bullock wasn't in this movie, though. But I mean, given her popularity at the time. I think the the great thing about Laura Dern's performance is how bubbly she is. How, she is, how yeah. How yeah. fun she is. And then how she has such a drop in enthusiasm when she sees that, like she says, the power in this place is out now. She reaches a lot of levels with her performance and, yeah. uh, and does a great job. Yeah. Anything else? That's all I've got for this minute. All right. That's all I've got for this minute as well. So, folks, join us back again tomorrow for minute number seven of Jurassic Park Minute. Really hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, if you've got any suggestions for us, shoot them over to JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com. You'll have all the information of how to contact us here at the end of the minute. So we're going to go ahead and let you guys get on with your day. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And until next time, hold on to your butts. Jurassic Park Minute is a fan-supported podcast. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at JurassicParkMinute.com, Facebook.com slash JurassicParkMinute, and Twitter.com slash JurassicMinute.